Oh, you hear the music and you just know. It's a Saturday morning and it's Rothenberg with you here on 9870 ESPN. And it's the hockey show. Oh, it's the hockey show. And what a what a phenomenal end to a phenomenal season. And I'll be honest with you, and I have been the entire way through, I do not root for the Islanders. I'm pleased that Tampa won the series, but what a series, in fact, this was. And how about this hockey show that we launched 17 weeks ago and said that we would put on 10 weeks? And, you know, then they asked, hey, guys, would you, would you just go a little bit into the playoffs? We said, you know, we will go as far as the Islanders go. And the Islanders went really far. I mean, as close as you could get to the Stanley Cup Finals without actually getting into the Stanley Cup Finals. And what a tremendous Game 7. We have a lot to do on the show this morning. We'll obviously get deep into Game 7. We'll reflect back on Games 4, 5, and 6. Hear from Chris Drury, because it is the hockey show. It's not solely dedicated to the Islanders, but they'll get the bulk of the conversation this morning. We'll hear from Chris Drury. We'll hear from Gerard Gallant. We'll look ahead to the Stanley Cup Finals. A lot to do. So get ready for the final hockey show. On 98.7 ESPN. We're all set up. Game 7 down in Tampa. A lot of excitement. Islanders with a thrilling victory in Game 6. They come back from a 2-0 deficit. And they win that game 3-2 in overtime on a goal from Anthony Bavillier. And the Islanders walk away. Last game ever, as it turns out, at Nassau Coliseum with a 3-2 overtime victory. So there were a lot of question marks surrounding the game today. Was Kucherov going to be able to play? We didn't know. Uh, Cooper wouldn't tip his hand at all. Turns out he, in fact, did play and, and played pretty well for the most part for Tampa. The power play, would it be better for the Islanders down in Tampa than it's been for the rest of the series? And the answer to that is an emphatic no. I mean, you could argue the power play really, I mean, terribly cost this team in the postseason, especially in this series against Tampa. Let's run through how we got to a one nothing Tampa victory. No scoring, period one. None, nothing, no power plays, no scoring. Tampa had the better of play early on in this game, but they couldn't light the lamp. And at the end of 20 minutes of play, we were scoreless. We go into the second period and you start thinking to yourself, will one goal be enough? I mean, at what point will anyone strike? And the Islanders go on the man advantage about a minute into the second period. How about this? The only power play for the entire game is when that happened, one minute into period number two. And you think to yourself, if the Islanders score, do they go into this defensive shell? Do they keep Tampa from scoring? Islanders' power play was one for 16, I believe, uh, during the series up until this point, And it got much, much worse because uh, Killorn took the puck into the corner. Two guys went over to him. Gord was skating free, came off the bench, was skating free down the slot. Killorn hits him. Gord scores. Short-handed goal. Islanders give up the goal, one nothing. Killorn with a beautiful pass to Gord and Sorelli with the assist, making it one nothing. If you don't believe me, let's take a listen, as you heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. Here's the call from Chris King. Sorelli shorthanded over the outer line, through the right circle on Letty, one-on-one, who forced him wide, down the middle of Gord, shoots and scores! Inexcusable. 
149 to be exact. Gord from Killorn and Sorelli, and you're looking at a one nothing deficit. Who thought that that would be the only goal that we saw for the entirety of this game? But in fact, it would be. No more scoring for the second. No more scoring in the entirety of the third. Every shot that was thrown Vasilevsky's way, he turned aside. 18 shots thrown his way. None of them get by. He's a perfect 18 for 18. And Varlamov was exceptional in this game as well. I mean, Tampa was the better team in Game 7. And I think even Barry Trotz, even the most ardent Islanders fan, would admit that Tampa was the busier team. Tampa had 31 shots, 30 of them saved by Varlamov. Vasilevsky was excellent on the other side. It was a physical game, a hard-played game, a hard-fought game. It really was a phenomenal, phenomenal series. Um, that finishes Game 7 down in Tampa. You hear the old adage that it's upsetting that any team has to lose in a series? I I think you kind of feel like that after that one. But Islanders, inexcusable, as you heard. Because the the, the penalty from Goodrow uh, at 50 seconds of the second period, cross-checking Adam Pellick, and the Islanders had a golden opportunity to score a goal. And never in your wildest nightmares did you think they'd allow a goal. They did fall behind one nothing. can never score, had a brilliant opportunity with about five minutes to go uh, in the third period. Matt Barzell was on the side. Puck comes right to his stick. Vasilevsky couldn't get over in time, and he fans on the shot, had so many opportunities, but the Islanders could not capitalize. Your three stars of the game, uh, Barclay Goodrow with the third star, Ryan McDonough, and of course the Rangers fan probably feels pretty good about that this morning. McDonough was sensational. I think you could argue that Ryan McDonough was the best player on the ice for the entirety of this game. He was absolutely sensational, and your number one star of the game, the man who scored the only goal last night, Yanni Gord, making it one to nothing. So let's take a listen to what Barry Trotz had to say. We'll hear from Josh Bailey, Scott Mayfield, Matt Barzell, uh, Lou Lamarillo later on during the course of the hockey show. A lot to do. Um, like we mentioned, it's one nothing all through the rest of the second, all through the entirety of the third. And Chris King and what Islanders fans will not enjoy listening to, but it's a necessity. The final call of the Islanders season. Tried to center it, broken up by Tampa. Held in by Pollock, left point to Bovillier, left dot. Steps around a man, walks it in front, jams it on net. Vasilevsky the save. 15 seconds to go. Pellick at right point. Left point, Pollock the blast. Block, Pollock to Pellick, right point. Fires over the net. Bovillier, left corner with five. Plays it right wing corner. Nelson in front. Loose in the paint. Lightning get it to the far side. Send it down the ice. The horn sounds. season comes to an end in the semifinals against Tampa Bay. And that, of course, Chris King last night right here on 98.7 ESPN. And I know how frustrating it is for the Islanders fan this morning. You wake up, you just don't feel good. Nothing tastes right. right? There's not a, not a, a pep to your step. But you know what? Your team gave you a heck of a season. And they were the third last team standing in the 2021 NHL season. So as frustrated as you are, as upset as you are, as angry as you may be, it was a, a phenomenal run for the Islanders this postseason. Now, it's the second straight year that you lost to Tampa. I imagine that's a really tough pill to swallow. you got to be very angry about that. And you were right there with them in this postseason. Last year, ends in six. Islanders competed, but fell behind two games to none. They could never really recapture anything. But this year... They were, were toe-to-toe with this phenomenal team. And Tampa really is a phenomenal team. 
I mean, you're you're all of last year's postseason and three series in, and they have not lost consecutive games since 2019. They're looking to make it back-to-back. They're a sensational team right now, and they really showed it last night down in Tampa. Barry Trotz, after the game, I'm sure a lot of emotions. What did Tampa do? to limit your chances in game seven. Just look at, they blocked 21 shots. They did a really good job. Uh, I mean, I think we've, we've, we attempted 50 shots, I think, tonight, uh, somewhere in that range, and they had 21 blocks. And we had some some guys teeing them up, and they were blocking them. They were committed, they, you know, all that. And, and they, you know, they're a good de- defensive team. They've got a good core. they got an outstanding goaltender. they got a, a, you know, a defenseman who is... Norris Trophy candidate every year, underrated guy in McDonough who is a shutdown guy, and they got Sergachev, and you know they're a better team than they were last year uh, in my mind. They, you know, they got a Kucherov and Stamkos. They weren't there to, last year together. They got Point. Uh, they've won. They've added a guy like Savard uh, to their group. I mean, that's. I think they were they're a better team now than they were last year, and uh, we took them to the brink. And I because I think we're a better team as well, um, and we've learned some lessons on the way here. So. This group has played, I was saying, like 97 games or something like that. Uh, some crazy total like that. And, and half of them pretty well have been playoff games in the last 10 and a half months. So, and those playoff ta- games take a piece out of you. And these two teams, have, I, I think, have played the most games in the playoffs in the last three years, I think. So those take a piece out of you. And uh, this group has been committed to, to do all that. And uh, I just, as I said to them, I wish I could take their pain away. I've had the the, the opportunity to have won a cup and know how that feels and 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 all that. And I just I really wanted this group to, to feel that as well. It was a terrific series. It's a frustrating ending to the season for the Islanders. But by no means was this a, a bad season. This was a great season. And, and when you look back, you will think of, of all the great moments that you had to enjoy during this phenomenal uh, run to Game 7. I can't even say of the Eastern Conference Finals, but of the uh, NHL semifinals. The thing that, that probably, if you're up this morning, you're listening to the show, that probably has you so upset is that you lost this on a shorthanded goal. You lost this on a, on a pass in front to a guy wide open coming off the bench. That's got to be frustrating for the Islanders fan. It's got to be disappointing, and I'm sure it is. And here's Barry Trotz. I don't know if it's more frustrating. It's disappointing because that was an opportunity for us to, you know, hopefully do something against them. Just a little bit of awareness. Uh, Gord came off the bench real quick. They made a play. We, we sort of weren't paying enough t- attention and ended up in the back of the net. And that's, that's uh, you know, I thought tonight... First period, I thought we did a really good job of managing it. I thought where the crowd was pretty quiet, and then obviously they got the, the shorthanded goal, and that energized, I think, uh, their team and the building. And uh, I give our guys credit. I thought we sort of stabilized after a few shifts after that. And then, um, you know, in the third period, we, we left it all out there. So that's, you know, it's 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 a lot of pain for that this group. This group has uh, got so much character. Uh, it's Undeniable to me. And I just, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling the pain right now. 
We'll hear from Josh Bailey in just a moment, but you can hear the frustration in the voice of uh, Islanders head coach Barry Trotson. Even after allowing that shorthanded goal, the Islanders had a golden opportunity on the remainder of that power play. Bavillier with a deflection, went right off the crossbar, didn't go in. We mentioned Barzell's opportunity late stages of the third period. Islanders did have a lot of chances. Uh, Not as many as I'm sure they would have liked. And like uh, Coach Trot said, a lot of shots were blocked, but the Islanders certainly had opportunities to tie that game at one. Let's uh, take a listen to Josh Bailey. More on the shorthanded goal uh, on that shorthanded goal really being the difference uh, in this game seven last night yeah I mean it hurts no matter what obviously that's a situation you know we, we'd certainly like to have back uh, you know at the end of the day it's yeah, it stings uh, to lose I mean it's so hard to uh, to just get to this point and you know I'm proud to be a part of this this team and yeah it just it, it hurts right now And you can hear the frustration in everyone's voice. Uh, Later on in the show, we'll hear more from Barry Trotz. We'll hear more from Josh Bailey and Scott Mayfield and Matt Barzell, who was really emotional uh, following what is a tough game seven. And not even for himself, more for his teammates, the guys who maybe this is their last run um, to really have a chance to win a Stanley Cup in their careers. So I I understand how tough it is. I do. And it's why I say all the time when you have an opportunity, because you never know when they're going to come again. I mean, it could be next year you could win the cup it could be 15 years before you get back into the eastern conference finals you just never know and i think that's kind of the magical thing about sports you just you never know right with any one of your teams unless you're a chiefs fan or 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 one of the you know patriots fan or or i guess a tampa fan now um in the nhl but realistically you never know like you're montreal you didn't expect to be here and now you're here it's wild you just never No. All right. Let's take a quick break. We'll come back. We'll get into games four, five, and six. Kind of recap leading up to the game seven. We'll hear from Gerard Gallant later on. We'll hear from Chris Drury. We'll hear from Lou Lamarillo. We'll get back into the Islanders. But just a terrific end to a terrific season for a gutty, gritty hockey team. All right. Let's get rolling here. It's Rothenberg with you. It is the Hockey Show Saturday morning right here on 98.7 ESPN. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islander playoff trivia question. Who was the first New York Islander to score a goal at the Old Barn? Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. Back with the answer in a moment. Good morning, hockey fans. Andy from Merrick with a special Islanders playoff trivia question. On October 7th, 1972, first game at the Coliseum, a.k.a. Fort Neverland, the Islanders played the Atlanta Flames, and number 18, Eddie Westfall, scored the first Islander goal. Well, it is the Hockey Show. Dave Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning on the heels of what was just a phenomenal series and a phenomenal Game seven Islanders had their chances. They lose it by the score of one to nothing. And Tampa goes on to the Stanley Cup finals for the second consecutive season. So we know that they lost one nothing last night on a shorthanded goal by Gord. But how did we actually get to a game seven? Let's revisit go in the rewind machine for a moment and go back to game four at the Coliseum Islanders. No scoring period one lightning. No scoring period one at five thirty. Of the second period, Josh Bailey lights the lamp, making it one nothing for the Islanders. Bavillier and Nelson with the assist. And, I mean, the Coliseum starts to rock 
and roll. Then Matt Barzell at 13.46 of the second period. Pelican Clutterbuck with the assist, 2-0. And then late stages, period two, Matt Martin, his first of the postseason. Clutterbuck and Pelican with the assist, 3-0, heading in to the third period. Coliseum is rocking. Islanders fans feel like, you know, this is the beginning of great things. They're going to coast to a victory in game four, but not so quick. Because at 3.45 of period three, Braden Point does what in fact he does, and that is seemingly score in every postseason game. His 12th of the playoffs, uh, Chernak and uh, Palat with the assist, and 3-1 is your score then. Then about three minutes later, at 6.43, a gorgeous goal. Tyler Johnson, his second of the postseason, McDonough and Kucherov with the assist, and all of a sudden, it's now 3-2 for 13 minutes and 17 seconds. Now, if you remember, Barry Trotz takes a timeout, he regroups the, the guys, and all of a sudden, the Islanders start to kind of play a little bit better. But at the end of the game, Ryan McDonough with a gorgeous move, a phenomenal move, and the Islanders stop it in front of the net. Ryan Pollock, really an empty net. Varlamov had come out trying to cut down the angle uh, on McDonough, and Pollock is there all by himself. He stops the puck. One of the great moments in this story in Islanders history. Let's take a listen to what it sounded like right here on 98.7 ESPN. Pollock trying to move it far side and out. Ten seconds to go. Loose in front. Ryan McDonough walks around backhand. Oh, my goodness. Ryan Pollock saved the game. The horn sounds. The Islanders hang on. They win it three to two. Ryan Pollock in the crease. Block the shot that would have tied it for Tampa. Instead, the Islanders tie the series in two games apiece. And there'll be a game six back here at the Coliseum on Wednesday. Oh, and we'll get to the game six a little bit later, but that's right. Ryan Pollock and the excitement in the voice of Chris King is heard right here on 98.7 ESPN. Doesn't even do justice to the play from Pollock. Right after the game, he was asked about that final play and how, how smart he was in that moment. And McDonough got a puck walking down and uh, Barley came out and challenged and he made a heck of a play with the, the spinorama and the net was open and I just uh, tried to make myself big and take it away and, you know, I was able to get it. And yeah, it's obviously you hear the sound, the clock go and all the boys jump on you. It's a good feeling. It was stressed to the nth degree. Islanders tied the series at 2-2. Barry Trotz, I mean, has won a ton of games, has won a cup. Have you ever had a game and like that, though? Not probably in the playoffs like that but and getting that, but uh, it's playoffs and nothing uh, should surprise anybody, really. That's the, that's the great thing about our game is, uh, you know, we can bring you out of your seats uh, right to the last minute. So what a save by Pulley. Obviously, uh, that will be remembered. Yeah, it was one of the great moments we've seen at the Coliseum certainly within the last 35 years. Barry Trotz, what were you thinking when McDonough made that spin move and Varlamov was out of position? Everybody was standing up, and I don't know if you've noticed, I'm not really that tall. <laughs> and so they, everybody stood up, and I tried to take a peek of uh, up at the scoreboard real quick, and all I saw was it was Nelly sliding, and McDonough turned, and I saw Varley, you know, was was coming out to challenge, and you know, it looked like it was going, in, you know, obviously in the net, and then obviously Pulley came through and slid across, and you know, save the game save the day for us so uh, I would say it was never in doubt he's been phenomenal this postseason so the question was asked to the head coach does uh, pull 
get the recognition that he deserves as a defenseman? I think he's starting to in this market and what we've been able to do. And the biggest stage is always the, the playoffs. And if you, if you play well in the playoffs, you're going to get noticed and you're going to get the recognition because those are the hardest games. And so we've been in, uh, in the playoffs here the last couple of years. Uh, we've played a lot of games. Uh, so I, I think he's starting to get the recognition that uh, he deserves as a, as, a, as a player, a good young player in the league. And, um, you know, all the other players that are playing, you know, they're, they're getting the same recognition because this is a big stage. You know, you're down to the last four teams here. Their team was backs to the wall, down 2-1, needing to win. They did. Here's the head coach on that enormous victory in game four. I thought we played a really good game. Even the first period, we had a couple posts. We had a breakaway. I felt really comfortable. Uh, and then obviously, we had a huge uh, surge in the second period for about seven or eight minutes. And, and they had their surge, obviously, for seven or eight minutes, I thought, in the third. And then in the th- with about five minutes to go, right after the timeouts and, and a few things, it got to, to crunch time, if you will. I thought we had some incredible shifts that really you know, you know forced them to play in their end and all that. And then, you know, I, I actually... I I thought they probably we probably should have drew a couple penalties there, but I understand. And and then at the end, you know, we got one. So a real good effort, and then obviously a uh, puck that, that gets to the front of the net, and a really great play by uh, their defenseman uh, Spinorama. Where there's desperation, and you know, Pulley comes up with a huge save. It really was a tremendous save. Now, Varlamov was perfect through two periods, stopped everything thrown his way. Islanders had a 3 nothing lead, uh, stopped 28 of 30 shots overall in game four. Here's the head coach discussing his starting goaltender's game in, in the fourth one. Varley, I thought, uh, when it's 3-2, uh, a little earlier when they had their surge, uh, he had to come up with one huge save on Kucherov. I think it was coming down the, the backside. Off of, he came off the bench, and, and uh, they found him, and... I thought Varley made a huge save there. So our game was good. I I know that we probably had more chances when I look at the game. Uh, you know, you remember most of the third, but uh, our 60-minute game was pretty decent other than, you know, the seven or eight minutes where we they surged on us. And, you know, we had a, a surge earlier. So this is uh, what we expected, 2-2, two, two, going back, best of three now. So let's discuss that for a moment now. The head coach says that, uh, you know, except for that seven, eight minutes, it was 3 nothing entering the third period with 13 minutes to go in the third period. This is now a 3-2 game. Coach Trotz takes a timeout. What did you say to your guys during that timeout? I didn't have to say a lot. This group is a pretty mature group. I just said, listen, you know, we got 10 minutes to go. Uh, we're, we've been here before. Let's just take a deep breath and and, and uh, worry about, you know, taking care of business in the last 10 minutes. What, you know, you know, I've said to, to you guys all the time is, you know, you can't look back. You can't, re, you can't, you know, redo stuff once, once they're done. So just look forward. And we were still winning the game with almost 10 minutes to go. And uh, to me, that was a really good sign. Uh, you know, our bench wasn't panicking. We just took a deep breath and we said, okay, let's go to work. And I thought we were able to stabilize the game. They had one or two chances. Uh, you know, really, when, once we got the game stabilized after they got their two goals, we were pretty good until, you know, obviously right, right at the end there. And right at the end, as we've discussed, a phenomenal play by Ryan Pollock. Your three stars of uh, game four, Varlamov stopping 28 of 30 shots, 93% save percentage. He's your third star. Josh Bailey with a goal is your second star. And Matt Martin, the uh, grizzled, tough guy on this team, uh, gets the game-winning goal, as a matter of fact, and he is your number one star of game four. So we're tied at two. We go down to Tampa for the all-important game five, and it's a game that the Honors fan doesn't want to remember at all. How does it play out? All Tampa 
Bay. 45 seconds. Opening period. Steven Stamkos with the goal. Uh, Sorelli, Killorn with the assist. one nothing. Gord with the goal. 11-04 the first period. Coleman with the assist. His fourth of the postseason. 2 nothing. Tampa. Here's the theme. Get used to it. Killorn with his seventh of the postseason at 15-27 of the um, first period. Savard with the assist. 3 nothing. End of one. Into the second. More of the same. On the power play. Steven Stamkos with the goal. His seventh of the playoffs. Kucherov and Hedman with the assist. 4 nothing. Nothing. Strap in. We're just getting started. Palat at fifteen forty-three. He makes it five nothing. His fourth of the postseason. Savard and Kucherov with the assist at fifteen forty-three. Back on the power play. Two minutes and ten seconds later. Seventeen fifty-three. Killorn with his eighth of the postseason. Six nothing now. Hedman and Point with the helpers. We are six nothing heading into the third period. It got worse on the power play again. Braden Point with the goal. His thirteenth of the postseason. Kucherov and Stamkos with the helpers. Seven Seven nothing, and to make matters a little bit worse, uh, for the first time this postseason, Luke Shen lights the lamp, makes it eight nothing. Maroon and Colton with the assists at twelve oh five, and there is your final score: eight nothing. Game five. How would the Islanders rebound? We'll get to that in a moment. But you had to be sick, absolutely sick, if you were Barry Trotz after that game. What does the Islanders coach have to say after an eight nothing loss in Game five? Here he is. Yeah, absolutely. It was one of those nights where you look at, uh, you know, the things that you don't want to do. You obviously want to get off to a good start. You want to manage the puck. We didn't manage the puck. And uh, they turned it into some transition. And even the goals, the first couple of goals were sort of stuff that we turned the puck over and they came in and they shot the puck and it, it bounced off of people. It was just one of those nights. And the other thing you can't do is take penalties. And, uh, you know, those two things in particular you can't do against this team. And we, you know, we got, uh, I thought early in the second period, uh, three nothing. We, we sort of dug our own uh, grave on the first period, but I thought in the second period we came out really well, and we we probably could have scored a goal. We had three, three or four really good chances early, and if we get to three one, maybe we can stabilize the game. And then a few minutes later, we take a penalty, and then you know they make it four. And you're not going to win any games when they give up three power play goals. And it took all the rhythm out of our bench, to, and we were battling through it all all night. So it was one of those nights where we we couldn't do anything right. And uh, didn't go our way, and it just it was it was a tough one. We'll just have to park it. As we heard from the head coach, you know, falling behind again in the first period, had chances in the second, hit the post a couple times, but that game was over at the end of one by the score of three to nothing. Why have you struggled so much in the opening periods of this postseason? I have no theories. I wish I did. If I did, I would use it. I uh, also, at the same time, it's on our group. I mean, our group has to come out. We, we understood that. We knew that we were going to have to get through the first period uh, in this building. They'd be amped up and manage the puck. And to me, it's this is about each player looking inside and saying, listen, I'm, I've got to be ready. And I think they were. Uh, but, you know, we our decisions and um, our puck management, all those things just bit us right you know where. So we'll be back better on that well we understand that that part of the game usually and tonight for whatever reason we didn't this was a disaster of a game for the honors they lose it eight to nothing they get outplayed in in every aspect of the game so what do you say to your club after a defeat like this coach this wasn't our best game we're going to need our our best game and we're going to have to earn the right to keep playing now and uh i've been with this group a long time and i know the character of this group and we'll be ready 
Well, were they ready? We'll find that out in just a moment in Game 6 back at the Coliseum. Your three stars of Game 5, uh, Vasilevsky uh, faces 21 shots, stops every single one of them. So he blanks the Islanders by the score of 8 nothing. Killorn with two goals and an assist is your second star and your number one star, Steven Stamkos, uh, two goals and an assist as the Lightning really beat up on the Islanders by the score of 8 to nothing. And now we turn our attention back at the Coliseum, maybe for the last time ever, Islanders lightning Tampa wins. They go to the Stanley cup finals Uh, Islanders win. And we force a game seven at 1602 of period one. He does what he does. And that is Braden point with another goal makes it one, nothing 14 of the postseason. Sorelli with the assist one, nothing end of one into the second period. We go at 1236, Anthony Sorelli, his fourth Palat and point with the assist two nothing Tampa Bay. And all of Tampa thinks, and everyone watching, and probably most Islanders fans at that point believe the Islanders are going to lose this game and this series, and the season will be done. But maybe the most important goal they've had all year long at 14-22, not even two minutes after they fell behind by the score of 2-0, uh, Jordan Eberly scores a tremendous goal, assist to Green and Barzell, and then makes it 2-1 at 14 22. So the Islanders go into the final 20 minutes, trailing 2-1, needing to tie the game, at least one goal in the third, and then they can win in overtime. And that is exactly how it played out. Mayfield, a gorgeous shot for a defenseman to be able to lift it over the goaltender into the upper corner like that was a phenomenal play at 11-16 of the third, his third of the postseason, and now we're tied at 2-2. And it didn't take long in the overtime because at 108. Anthony Bovillier made it sound like this. Bailey couldn't hold his own. Turnover in tight. Quick shot. They score! I'm not exactly sure what Chris King said there, but I can tell you that Bavillier scored and a lot of people seem to be very excited. And that is courtesy of Chris King right here on 98.7 ESPN. It'll be much easier to hear this Bavillier after the game on his game winning goal. Honestly, kind of blacked out a little bit. I uh, turned the puck over, I think, and then saw it go in and kind of just, uh, like I said, kind of blacked out and was just so happy with screaming and everyone kind of jumped on me. So uh, obviously amazing feeling and uh, couldn't be more happy. And uh, I mean, obviously a really uh, big game from everyone today and everyone wanted to go back to Tampa for game seven. And we uh, earned uh, the opportunity to do that and everyone's excited. Uh, they certainly did earn the opportunity. And back to Tampa, we go for a game seven, of course. Anthony Bavillier after the game saying the Coliseum was just phenomenal. Uh, it feels amazing, to be honest. I mean, um, that building coming in overtime was smelling like cigarettes and now it smells like beers. I mean, that, that place is going crazy. So, uh, I mean, everyone's happy we're going back to Tampa and obviously huge, huge effort from our, from our team today. And the crowd was really at a fever pitch for the entire game. And you heard it in that game-winning call. You couldn't even really hear the game-winning call. Matt Barzell and the Islanders fan celebration after another huge win at the Coliseum. They, uh, that was amazing. Um, you know, we got that first one and then just got riled up. And then uh, obviously in overtime, I've, I've never seen anything like that. Uh, a little dangerous, but um, I don't think uh, you see you don't see that too often. So we embraced it. And, you know, that's the that's the Islander faithful. They're passionate. They uh, they get excited and um, it was good stuff. 
Feels like we've had the question a lot during the show today and over the last couple of weeks to Barry Trotz. Where does this moment rank for you? How important was this one? Let's ask him again. This game six, forcing a game seven over time with what happened. Where does that moment now rank for you, coach? Well, I've, I've, I've had a few moments. So I've been, been at this a long time. It's it's one of the it'll be up there with one of the one of the best because of the of uh, the situation. Um, number one, the group that is playing. Uh, right now, this is I'm very, I just I love this group, the character of this group. I would say this building and, and what it's meant to uh, a number of players, but probably more than anything, our, our fans. Uh, you know, they, these are great moments. I mean, coming off the ice and there's, uh, you know, everybody's hugging each other. There's beer cans flying all over. It's, uh, it's quite a sight. And uh, it, it was a, a moment that you'll, you'll remember. Uh, you know, these are big moments and, and great memories to have. But, we're, you know, we've got to get another one. So, obviously, it was the great comeback in Game 6. Islanders win it by the score of 3-2 to two in overtime. We go to a Game 7, and the Islanders fall just short, losing one nothing. Actually outscored in the last two games down in Tampa, 9 nothing. Didn't put a, a goal uh, puck into the net at all in the final 120 minutes down in Tampa. So a lot of Islanders obviously will get back to the Islanders in a little bit. But coming up next, the Rangers deserve some attention as well. Um, their new GM, new president, Chris Drury, spoke a couple days ago. And Gerard Gallant was a guest on the Michael K show, the new head coach. So we'll turn our attention to that and then get back to the Islanders and put a big bow on what was a very successful season for the Isles. That's, of course, the Hockey Show coming your way next right here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Saturday morning, Rothenberg with you. It's the Hockey Show 98.7 ESPN. Of course, the Islanders are the story, and deservedly so. And what was a tremendous run uh, through two rounds and seven games and falling just short, losing this one one to nothing last night on a shorthanded goal, which has to make it all that much more painful. But the Islanders are not the only story in town this week. Chris Drury spoke to the media and their new head coach, Gerard Gallant, was on the Michael K show. So let's uh, let's take a little uh, listen to that. General manager and president first. That, of course, is um, Connecticut born and bred Chris Drury. Will you look to name a captain um, for this team at some point this season? Yeah, you know, I think if we can keep moving this thing forward and uh, a big piece of that for me would be getting a captain. For me, it's a priority, but at the end of the day, it's got to be the right person. You know, I'm not interested in just giving it to somebody to say we have a captain, but I think we have a lot of leaders in our room and, and leaders that have taken big steps, you know, in the last couple of years, including the second half of last season. So looking forward to, to talking to Gerard further about that. We talked about it a little bit during the uh, interview process and uh, you'll see how it shakes out uh, this summer heading into training camp. And you start to think, would it be Panarin? Would it be Kreider? Did they go with the young defenseman, Adam Fox? There certainly will be a lot of choices for the Rangers of who that guy uh, can potentially be both this coming season and moving forward. Goals for the next season, Chris Drury. My goal and our hope is that we're a playoff team next year. You know, is it a mandate? I don't believe so. But I want everyone to come back and, and know that that's uh, where we want to be. And, you know, with the talent on this team where we should be. So I'm looking forward to, to seeing the guys when they start to trickle back for training camp and, you know, getting, uh, getting set for a, a real good season. What I don't understand is how can it not be a mandate to go to the playoffs? You just, I mean, you're clearly heading in the right direction. 
You had David Quinn as the head coach. The guys seemed to really respect him. The team, if, if this was an ordinary season, certainly would have had a really good chance to go to the postseason. How, why did you fire him if this was not a mandate to go to the postseason? So that is something that really doesn't add up to me, but we'll uh, continue the conversation with the Rangers right now. Uh, Gerard Gallant on the Michael K show earlier this week. Is the club still in the process of, of rebuilding at the moment? Oh, I don't think, I think the rebuild is over. I think they got a lot of young talent that's coming up and playing, playing pretty well. I think they got some very good veteran players. They got real good goaltending. So we get all the makings to be a real good team. But in saying that, there's 32 teams in the NHL that all think they can make the playoffs. So it's going to be a battle. I look at our division as real good teams there, but uh, I fully expect us to compete with any team in the National Hockey League. I mean, you look at this division, and I think that's a real large reason to why the Rangers didn't go to the postseason this year, because this division was so difficult to play the Islanders and the Bruins and the Penguins and the Flyers. And granted, Buffalo and New Jersey are not very good teams, but there's a lot of talent uh, within that division. If it was spread out a little bit, certainly a better chance for the Rangers to go to the postseason, which I'm sure we will see next year playing all the other teams uh, around the NHL. Gerard Galan, who's had success, tremendous success so far in this league as a head coach. Why'd you take this job with the Rangers? It's an original 16. It's a team that's ready to take off and go forward and be a real good solid team for a long time. And, you know, when I met with Chris Drury, the first uh, the first time I met with Chris before I went to Europe we with Team Canada, we had a three-hour you know, three meeting in, in New York, and everything was great. It's a good fit. Chris is a good person. We, we had a great conversation. And I think when I left his, when I left that day after three hours, I had a pretty good feeling I was going to be the coach of the Rangers. And, uh, you know, fortunately for me, it happened. But I think it was a good fit between me and Chris. Well, you think about what the Rangers are and what they mean to the NHL. I mean, they're, an, an, like you said, a, an original six team. They're immensely popular, and the youth and talent on this team might be unmatched in the NHL, right? And I'm not saying that they're the most talented team, but when you couple in how young they are, it really is. It's got to be a very, very attractive job. Um, all right, more from Gerard Gallant from the Michael K Show. What type of coach, in fact, are you? I'm about trying to win hockey games with the players that are playing the best hockey that night. So it doesn't matter if you're 42 years old or you're 18 years old. You're going to get the opportunity to play. I'm going to give you a second chance when you make mistakes. That's part of hockey. You can't go out in the ice thinking you're going to sit in the bench when you make mistakes. you got to go out there. You're going to play on your toes. We're, we want to be an aggressive forechecking team. We want to be you know, pursuing the puck a lot. So I like to play a fast style of hockey. And uh, like I said, I give people second and third opportunities. But uh, after that, then they start to pay price for it, but uh, you want to be fair to your players. You want to give them the opportunity to, to get their talent out and more fair to compete hard and that. So I'm a fair coach. I'd say, you know, people call me a player's coach, but also, you know, when there's time to discipline people, you have to do that too. So there's a fine line on all those decisions you have to make as a coach and hopefully make more, more right decisions than you do wrong decisions. It'll be interesting to see if the Rangers do go up and down more because I think a lot of the, the fans surrounding this team were a little bit frustrated that David Quinn kept a lot of it close to the vest and, and wouldn't let some of his players just kind of get wide open and skate. And we'll, we'll be interesting to see what they do moving forward with the new head coach. More Gerard Gallant from the Michael K Show. Tell us how your feelings about Madison Square Garden. Obviously, it was an intimidating place to, to play when you were a player, and I love coming in that building. I mean, back then, the original, a lot of original six buildings were still, were still going when I was playing, so it was pretty uh, it was pretty fun coming into those buildings, Montreal, Toronto, you know, New York Rangers, I mean, uh, as a kid, Boston Bruins, so I love coming into that building and playing games in there. And as a coach, it's the same thing. I mean, they get the, the fans get cheering back there, you know, let's go Rangers, and, uh, you know, it's pretty good, so it's a great building to play in, and, it's, and I really enjoy coaching that building too so I'm looking forward to being the coach of the home team so that'll be a lot of fun.
Look, any New York team that does well, the fan base is ecstatic. They get excited. They get crazy. It becomes a difficult place to play. I would say the Rangers are probably towards the top of that list, right? I mean, the Giants are good. Of course, the crowd's going to go crazy. The Jets are good. Of course, the crowd's going to go crazy. We see what's happening with the Islanders right now. But there's just something special about the Knicks, about the Rangers and Madison Square Garden. If this team is good, I mean, the, the fan base will be at a, a fever pitch. Um, the fourth line, t- tell us about how important the fourth line is to your teams and to this team specifically. I think if you look at my coaching career, the last six years, three in Florida and three in Vegas, I was one of the guys that used four lines more than any other coach mm-hmm. probably in the league. So, you know, that, that was a big part of my game. And when you play a high tempo speed, that's what you have to do. And, and each player has to have roles on your team. I mean, some of those fourth line guys, they might not be scoring 15 goals for you, but they have an important role to play. So they're out there, they're bumping the body, they're banging the body, they're working hard. So a lot of times they're not the young stars coming up. So hopefully the young players will, will play in their, you know, when they're, when, they're, when they're high draft picks like the kids that we got, Lafreniere and Kako, obviously, you know, they're going to be up higher in the lineup. But uh, your fourth line guys, most of it, as, as every bit important as your first line guys, you got to make sure they're ready to play every night. And you know, like you said, in the playoffs, you can't go with three lines. You have to play four lines. All right, so Rangers fans, expect uh, your new head coach to really roll four lines and to give everybody the opportunity and multiple opportunities until they really show that they're not worthy of that. All right, let's take a quick break, come back, get back into the Islanders, hear from Barry Trotz, hear from Matt Barzell, uh, get you ready for the Stanley Cup Finals between Montreal and Tampa. We'll do it next on the Hockey Show right here on 98.7 ESPN. It is Rothenberg with you on a Saturday morning, 98.7 ESPN. Coming back at 9 o'clock this morning. I get an hour break, have a little breakfast, come back and ready to roll into all your sports talk and sports talk conversation. But we continue with the hockey show here. I know that the Islanders fan is upset. I know it stings and I know it stings terribly. Rangers were in the same position against the same team not too long ago and lost game seven at home to Tampa. Um, Ryan McDonough, of course, with the broken foot, had it frozen, iced up, whatever it had to be, shots before the game, during the game, and the Rangers lost that game 2 to nothing. So Tampa has been good for a very, very long time. But the Islanders, a tremendous run this postseason. So as upset as you are this morning, I would say don't hang your hat and your head too much. And Barry Trotz kind of reflects on how proud he is of this group from this season. I said to them, you know, this group is special. Their character, uh, their work ethic, their will, their commitment. It's to me, it's it's undeniable. It's so strong. And that's probably why, uh, you know, this group uh, believed, you know, that we could we could do this. They still believe we could. But uh, it's just a lot of pain because they gave their all. There's some guys that are playing that are beat up, worn out, hurt, and they just keep going. And. Uh, uh, there's a really uh, bond between all the uh, all the players that is 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 really strong and, and the, the disappointing thing uh, is we didn't get this game and that group uh, in that room uh, won't be together again that's just the, you know the lay of the land in in the, in the National Hockey League so uh, that's the that's all the pain and, and there's a lot of guys that you know as I said they're not going to be defined by this game, win or lose. They're going to be defined by all the games. I mean, we were a team that I don't think, I think we were the underdog in the first series, trailed, came back. Uh, we were underdog in the second series, same thing. Underdog in the third series, and we almost got it done. So a lot of character. We stayed to our identity. You know, we're, we're on the right path. 
are on the right path. And as I said last year, and I didn't say it to the guys this year, but I think they understand, you know, you got to keep going back. It's no different than Tampa Bay. They had some heartache before they were able to win a cup, and now they have a chance to win two. As they go for a second consecutive cup against the Montreal Canadiens starting on Monday night in Tampa. So what is it? We heard Trot say that this is a tremendously special group. What is it that makes this group so special, in fact? Yeah, well, you know, when you win a win a cup with a group, that is special. That is a bond that never goes away. But I'm just, you know, I, when this group from day one, and I didn't know them, any really any of the players, and we put something together here that with the, the character and the constant work ethic that they bring and commitment that they bring and um, really tight uh, group that starts with Anders Lee and, and our leadership group, you know, Josh Bailey and guys like Eberly and you know Clutterbuck and all that and they just you know they they're not scared of the challenge that's and they don't they don't cut corners and that's to me that's a that's an exceptional group that really values each other you have some teams that some guys don't value the other guys and that's maybe why you don't go as far as you you, you want to and I think this group values that everybody's importance in, in in their their piece of the pie within the within the team. And they certainly were a resilient group where every time their backs were to the wall came out swinging and, and for the most part um, were very successful in doing so. Now, Scott Mayfield, one, one of those uh, you know ironclad defensemen, not thought of as a big-time offensive guy, but scored maybe one of the biggest goals of the entire postseason for the Islanders, the goal that tied it at 2-2 in Game 6 in the third period, spoke after a rough Game 7. Is it too soon to appreciate what this club did this year? Yeah, I mean, I appreciate it. It's an honor to play with these guys. You know, I don't think back-to-back being the last four teams, I don't think that's a fluke. So, you know, I don't know if too many people believed in us the first couple of rounds, but we believe in ourselves. We're a confident group. Yeah, no, it stings right now, but it is what it is. You don't think that hockey players or athletes care about losing in big moments and big games? Take a listen to Matt Barzell after the game of how difficult this, in fact, is. Yeah, I think it's... uh it's just for everyone, you know. Sucks, sucks. Uh, getting back to this point, and I'm short again. Got guys like Bales and Greener, and veteran guys that you know. It's uh, being a young guy, you know, I got a few more years, but those guys are. Uh, you want to win for those guys. And uh, it hurts, uh, hurts seeing those guys in the locker room. You know, afterwards, just don't know how close we were. You, you hear the hurt in his voice, and it is painful, and, and you kind of love it a little bit that, that the athlete does care so very much. But it's not all negative for the Islanders. They had a great season. The coach was terrific. The GM, Lou Lamarillo, was, uh, was GM of the year in the entire National Hockey League. And In fact, let, let's end on a positive. Here is Lou discussing winning GM of the year in the NHL. Very humbling and yet difficult at the same time because this is an award which embraces whatever success the organization has had throughout the year. I accept this award on behalf of Scott Malkin and his partners who have given us all the resources over the past three years to have whatever success we've been able to accomplish. 
My two very capable assistants, Chris Lamorello and Steve Pellegrini. Our coaching staff, led by Barry Trotz. Our players, led by Captain Anders Lee. My very capable hockey administration's director, Joanne Hollowa. Our scouting staff, led by Trent Klatt. Our public relations department, led by Kimmer Auerbach and his very capable staff. Our business staff, who in particular this year has been very difficult and has done a tremendous job in opening the arena after the pandemic, having to deal with vaccinated, non-vaccinated sections, and each and every day the law is changing. And lastly, and certainly not least, our fans. In my opinion, the greatest fans in the National Hockey League. I want you to know that we appreciate you. We thank you for the support that you've given us. You are our seventh player. And lastly, it's certainly an honor to be associated with Jim Gregory's name. So that is your GM of the year, Lou Lamarillo. And that is it for us. What started as an idea that maybe we'll do a hockey show for 10 Saturdays turned into 17 successful Saturdays, ending with this Islanders really sensational run. Big thanks to Andy from Eric, our coordinating producer, uh, Anthony Pusick, who goes above and beyond every single week, and of course, who can forget the work from Ray Dinaham. I'm Dave Rothenberg. This has been The Hockey Show. We hope to bring it back in the fall for a full 82-game regular season every Saturday morning. Joe Wiz is up next, and then I'll be back at 9 o'clock right here on 98.7 ESPN.